Okay, Erev Tov, we uh, are going to be learning Parshas Va'eschanan. And uh, this class is based on two separate essays from Rabbi Victor Nevinsol. He should live long and well. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to go into last week's Parsha, just briefly. And we're going to get it, as we said last week, Sefer Dvarim is Moshe's farewell speech to the Jewish people which took um, 37 days. And we're going to look at, if you start reading, if you really look inside what's going on, a lot of things seemed quite disjointed and doesn't make a lot of sense. So we're just going to briefly go through the first 10 topics very fast, and he'll, we'll bring up three questions, and he comes up with a tremendous chiddish over here, and it teaches us, quite a bit of what's going on over here. So let's first start with the first source below. Get the 10 lists, the list of 10, and then the first source, which was last week's Parsha. These are the words that Moshe addressed to all Israel on the other side of the Jordan River. Seems pretty clear he is speaking to all the Jews. Targum Yonasan in the second source says, these are the words of admonition. He's giving words of Musr. Before you die, it's a good time to give Musr. Okay, so now let's just quickly zip through the first 10 topics and let's analyze them over here. Okay, first starts off, uh, the first four or five, Sukkot was just saying, you know, where he said it and he's about to talk. Fine. So the first topic is that Hashem commands the Jewish people when they leave Sinai to enter Eretz Yisrael. After they got the Torah, so first thing Moshe talks about, Hashem's command is that they should go to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Uh, next point, he talks about the fact that Moshe says, I can't take these people by myself. It's too hard. So Hashem said, appoint judges. Okay. What is the subtle rebuke over here? The subtle rebuke is that they were satisfied to have lesser spiritual leaders than Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the subtle rebuke because they should have said, no, we don't want to have other judges. We just want you. Is there a rebuke because all the machlokas between people? Do they need all these judges? Well, man, that you can already debate that issue. I mean, it's not unusual for there to be d- disputes. We once gave a class on that. The disputes were not out of animosity. They were all saying, no, he should be the winner. He should get oh, okay. it. But anyway, but the main problem is they should have wanted him. Then he moves on to the sin of the spies. Okay, that's fine. Now he skips 38 years. And the next topic is when they want, to, at the end of 38 years, after Aaron dies, Miriam dies, they want to go through Edom, Moab, and Ammon. They don't let them, so they circle around them. Then we talk about the battles against Sihon and Og. Then we have the tribes of Gud and Ruvain who want land on the east side of the Jordan and the condition that Moshe made with them. And now we begin now in this week. That was last week's Parsha. Now we move into this week's Parsha. Moshe prays to enter Eretz Yisrael, and he cannot go in. Then Moshe warns the Jews not to stumble into idolatry. 
And at that point, it's ready well into this week's Parsha. And that really is the end of the words of rebuke. Then after that, Moshe designates three cities of refuge on the east bank. As we see in source number three, where Rashi, uh, where the Torah says, I should have put the Pusik in there, and I didn't. The Pusik said, Oz Yavdil, then Moshe separated. So Rashi explains that he set his attention to be zealous for this matter, to set them apart. And although they were not to serve as cities of refuge until those of Canaan proper, on the west side were set apart for that purpose. And, and, and Moshe said, any duty that is possible to perform, I will perform now. In other words, okay, as the storyline is going, okay, the storyline is going, he's talking, he's talking, he's talking, he's talking, he's talking. Now, in the middle of the talking, he designates the three cities of refuge on the East Bank. And Rashi's saying, why is he doing that? They're not going to work anyway, be effective, until they conquer the West Bank and they make the three on the West Bank. So Rashi's saying, well, he did whatever he could do. He did whatever he could do, you know. No, at least he, he can, at least he can start the mitzvah now. Okay, so this is very strange. If Moshe wants to do the mitzvah as soon as possible, why is he waiting for the middle of this speech at the end of his life? Why didn't he do it after they conquered, after they made the deal with, uh, let's say, after uh, item number six, after the lands on the East Bank were conquered and he promises to give the land to God and Ruvain, he should have separated the three cities then. That's, if you're telling me, it's not going to work anyway. He wants to do it, he wants the alacritous in that. So why didn't he do it then? Why are you waiting in the middle of a 37 days of speeches to start designating these three cities of reverence that aren't going to work anyway? And Rashi's saying, listen, if I could do it, I might as well do it. So it seems a bit strange. Yeah? Uh, I was going to mention, why would he, you know, further to what you just said, um, why would he mention at this point that the focus, it's, it, takes, it takes away from the focus of entering Eretz Israel because he basically recognized that some Jews are going to be on the east side of the Jordan and... and well, that, but he did, that but he already made that deal that with deal. God and Ruvain, didn't oh, okay. he? Okay, okay, you're right. Okay. He made the deal with God and Ruvain, so he made the deal with God and Ruvain, but the point is, so let him have designated the three cities at that point. He was not happy with the idea. I understand he's not happy with the idea, but still, like, uh, he, he, he's still not happy with the idea, right? But he's doing it now. So when you're not happy about something, you try to push it to the end. Okay, I hear, I hear. Uh, also, the whole idea of Oz Yavdil, like then, then. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, let's move on now to uh, the 10th point on the top, back to the top. Then we finally get to, it says, Oz HaTorah Asher Moshe Lifnei B'nei Yisrael. This is the Torah which Moshe placed before the children of Israel. And now we're moving on to the next part of the story where he's telling them all kinds of other uh, important halachas, as you see there in source number four. That's the exact pasuk. For source number four below is just paralleling number 10. What's unusual about that pasuk in source number four? Why here? Well, Zosator, now who's he been talking to the whole time? 
Let's go back to source one. Eilat Vorma Shadibar Moshe Al Kolben Eishol Be'Ever Hayardi. Right? Now, if it's those HaTorah, Asher Samoshe Lifnei Bnei Yisrael, hasn't Moshe been talking to them the entire time until now? It's almost like it's in the third person. It's not the right. That's a, it's a fact. It's, it's, it's kind of unusual. Why is this being repeated at this time? Okay. It's making so, people uh, going away, disappearing already. So now, Rav Levinsall asks three very powerful questions. Question number, uh, or two powerful questions. Uh, first of all, look at all the events he mentioned question may be jumping out at you. I'm surprised nobody hasn't asked the question yet. He's reviewing their their 40 years in the desert. Yeah. So what has he mentioned? Better yet, what has he not mentioned? Golden calf. Golden calf. Where's the golden calf? Well, Where's the rebellion the of Korah? Yeah. Where is the sin the Jews yeah. did with Baal Peor? Where, where is the giving of the Torah at Sinai? Yeah. I mean, there's some kind of significant events. If you're reviewing everything, like you're kind of missing some important... You, you did the one with the spies. So what's going on with the, everything else? This is the problem that really is. Like, there seems to be no rhyme or reason over here. Except, except the one, three, and and uh, and, this, and and seven, I guess, are all about going into the land. The commandment to go into the land. Sinus spies that didn't let them go into the land, and then Moshe praying to go into the land. Um, that's a lot, of, and even it's all about the land. Even God moving is about the land. And the designating the city so it's about the land. It all seems to be about. What about the appointing judges? <laughs> okay, not all. Of them. Well, stumbling into idolatry is not necessarily. Well, it could be because that because that's calf? where there's going to be a lot of idolatry over there. Yeah, it doesn't that idolatry include the golden calf? And well, no, you would you would you would mention that. That's kind of a very uh, strong question. Okay. So, you know, like, why, why, so you're saying it has to do with the land, okay? That's not bad, except appointing judges, but that, that's not bad. That's not a bad answer. Well, no, but in the, in the land where they don't live in the desert, there'll be more reason for judges once they get into real life, um, which they didn't really have so much ownership and things okay. in 40 years. So in the land, they'll have this issue. Now, but what's going to be very interesting is that once we finish this part, the Torah, he is going to mention giving of the Torah at Sinai. It's coming up later in this parsha. Uh, the Aserah Sedibros. Yeah. Is it affecting? It's coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. And he's going to mention the golden calf. Right. To take it personally, but this is like what's on Moshe's mind right now. He doesn't want to. Because he's dying. The highlight of he it. wants to go into the land. So now he's like his focus is that he can't go into the land. So it's all the, the things he says first are all about. He's putting them well. into sleep. Somehow, okay. Okay. Before he's giving yeah. the good okay. one. Could he say notes more of his personal reactions to what happened during those events? I mean, the judges were there because he couldn't do everything. Um, the, the spies were there because it was almost like a challenge. So, could this be more of a personal? What about Korah? 
What about the golden calf? Yeah, yeah. Those are some big things. Okay, that's that's one question. Second, again, we go back to that uh, pasuk that says Oz Yavdil. Then, now you're looking. You, you've listed seven, eight issue points, and then Oz Yavdil Moshe. Then Moshe separated the three cities. Whenever you have the word Oz, it's good. No, it seems it's connecting to something that was before. Yeah. What's another example? After the Jews saw the Egyptians were died on the thing, us, then they say, then they say, meaning it's following something up. Direct consequence. So like here, he's just telling them, you know, he's telling them, I want to go to Israel, I couldn't go. Like he lists all these things. Don't stumble into idol worshiping. Then Moshe designates three cities. What do you, what do you mean, then? Then? <laughs> What's then? Very difficult issue. And again, what's this? Vizos HaTorah, Asher Samosha, Livnei Bnei Yisrael. What do you mean, Livnei Bnei Yisrael? Who has he not been talking to until this time if it's not Bnei Yisrael? Those are the three primary questions he asks. And let's see where we're going to take this next. Let's move on to, we're going to go back now to the story with God and Ruvain. We're gonna go back to the story of God and Ruvain. And um, basically, well, I'm not gonna tell you everything right now, but, uh, uh, oh, let's take a look at a Rashi. Where do I want this six, one? Six. Okay. So let's go to the source five and six and see a Nevensal Mamish digs out of a Rashi, something that I didn't catch and I don't think a lot of people would catch. But from this one little hop in the Rashi, he develops a whole idea over here. So let's go back. Um, and uh, again, this is going back to the uh, witch story over here. It's a story number six, the story with the tribes of God and Ruvain. He's reviewing that story with them now. He says, I command you at this time, Hashem is giving you the land, Azos the Rishta, Chalutzim, Tavru Lifnei Achechem Bnei Yisrael, you're going to go before everybody. Okay. okay. So, fine. So Moshe's saying, okay, you're going to be the ones to go for everybody. If you're going to go before everybody, then you can get the land. The land. Now look what Rashi says. And here is a very interesting Rashi. Atzav Eschem. I commanded you. So Rashi says, Livnei Ruvein Uvnei God. He was speaking to Bnei Ruvain and Bnei God. So let me look in the Chumash here and give you the full context over here. And you should, you should try to figure out what is troubling Rashi over here. Okay, so it's talking about that they uh, conquered. This part is at the end of last week's Parsha. They conquered the land, everything that's over there. And I commanded you at this time to say, Hashem is giving this land. You go before all your brothers. Okay. Now, and just your wives, you leave behind them. 
So, obviously, if you're going first in battle, who's it talking about? It's talking about B'nai God and B'nai Ruven. So Rashi's saying, Livnei Ruven, B'nai God, Hayom Medaber. He was addressing B'nai God and B'nai Ruven. Now, what's wrong with that, Rashi? First he commanded them, and then he says he addresses them. Um, remember, the beginning of this, the beginning of the whole Sefer, Moshe's talking to everybody. Okay. He's talking to everybody. Okay? So now, and last week's partnership is a talking to everybody. Okay. And talking about, you know, we destroyed these other countries and this and that and all these other things, and I gave this land to this one, etc., etc., etc. He's talking to everybody. He's talking in front of all the Jews. And I commanded on you, for, for you, on this day, saying, Hashem has given you this land, and now you will go before everybody. But leave your wives behind. So, so Rashi is saying, he's speaking, So what would be a better expression if you wanted to say that he's talking to them? He should have said, he should have said, Livnei Ruvain, for God, Diber Atah. Diber Atah. And Rashi said, oh, now he's been talking to everybody, now he's shifting to them. Right? He was talking to everybody. He's talking to everybody. But now I said, well, this line in particular, he's talking to them. But, but if that's, but, but what should Rashi have said in proper Hebrew? She said, Hayom Midaber. No, he's commanded them. No, 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 no. But it should, should, should have said, Diber Atah. Diber Atah. He's speaking now to them. In other words, if he's speaking to all the Jews for the whole beginning, the whole parsha, he's speaking to all the Jews. And now he's saying, Oh, but I'm commanding you to go first. Well, he's not commanding them all to go first. So he's talking, Rashi's saying, he, Rashi's saying, what's going on? Who's he talking to? He's right. talking to Bnei Gavruin. So what should Rashi have said in proper Hebrew? It should have said on number six, Livnei, Ruven, Lei, God, Tiber, Ata. He's speaking now. What's Hayom It's a present continuum. So now, right? So... The answer is, I'll give you the answer away, and they'll have the whole class as we're going to. Can I ask continue. one quick question? Yes. I thought that Reuben and God offered to go first rather than being commanded. Uh, first of all, that was only after Moshe gave him a whole. He made him feel Moser. guilty. And okay. then they said, but you know, okay. we still. So, so, now, so now he's telling everybody, and you're going to go first. Aha, uh-huh. okay, but it was there, but that, there right? They said we'll go first, but then Moshe made a condition with them that you're only going to get to get, if you're going to do that, then you're going to get it. So he's commanding them, okay, keep your word that you said over here. Okay, all right, thank you. Okay. So it seems that uh, if it says that he was midaber with them, says Rev. Devonsal, you know what? Let me give you the example. Sometimes let's say a congregate does something in a shul that's not proper. And for whatever reason, the rabbi feels uncomfortable confronting them. So what'll he do? He'll give a speech. And the speech, he'll talk about a certain negative type of behavior. 
And the rabbi's making the whole speech for that guy. Example. For that guy. But the rabbi said about, uh, take, don't take your talus off too early on Shabbos morning. Yes. The rabbi may have had people in, in mind who actually do that, but said it's everybody. Right, right. Because I had mentioned that about a year ago. I wasn't that minion. But these guys were new. I didn't, want, I didn't want to go over to them. You sent it in an email as well last year. I sent it in an email, but there are guys who came since then. Right. Okay, anyway. So, whatever, don't worry about it. So anyway, so sometimes the rabbi has in mind, the whole speech is for this guy, but he cloaks it in a way. You do it Then after the speech, the guy, the nudnik, comes over to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, that was a great speech. You know, a lot of people in the shul I know, they needed to hear that. And I've had, and I've had that happen. Okay, so now, so now what Rashi is telling us is this. Rashi is saying, now he's talking to Beit Ruven. He was talking the whole time from the beginning of Sefer Dvarim. Only to God and Ruven. He was talking to everybody, but he had them in mind. He was speaking. What do you mean was? If he's now just starting to talk to them. No, the whole speech was for them. Okay, now the question is. Did they get it? That's the question. Did they get it or not? Why wait until then? Very nice. How did those other ones that preceded have to do with them specifically? Oh, that's very what the class one. is all going to be what, now. Very point? nice. Very what are they got? Why did they singled out for sinner spies? There were ten spies. Hold on, hold on. You will see. Let's. That's the, the that's the chiddush he comes up with. Once he comes with that chiddush, now everything will see how it lines up in the place. So now we got to go back to the story at the end of Sefer by Midbor, and he starts with a very interesting, it's a beautiful fusion of Hashkafa and Halacha all together. So uh, on the Pasuk, um, on Source 7, that we're going to get to shortly, shortly, so he says there's the following Halacha. Now he was a student of Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach, he's still alive, Rav Nemesel, he's very old. And, what? Yeah, he has Yeshiva, uh, what's uh, Yesodeh, uh, I forgot what it's called. I think it's called Yesodeh Torah. Uh, he, he went, Aaron Kingsbury went to Yeshiva. Oh, wow. Anyway, he's a big Tamakam. He's the guy who signs the uh, yeah, bottom of the Smichas Chaver. Yeah. Anyway, so we know there's halacha, there's two fruits in, in front of you that are not of the seven species, and their brachas are the same. The question is, you, you're supposed to make one bracha. On one of them, and you exempt the others. That's the rule. The, if you have apple, orange, um, a bunch of bore priya eats fruits, so there's one that you make the brachan for. So the question: What's the hierarchy? So the general rule is: You do the chaviv, the one that you like the best. So if you like apples, you love apples more than any other fruit, you take the apple, make the bore priya, have everything else in mind. So now Rav Nevelinzal asked Rav Shlomozal Marbach the following question. What if you have two fruits, one you really like, the other one not as much, but you know the other fruit is healthier? 
it has lots of good vitamins. What should come first? Still what you like. So he says, okay. no. He says the fruit that <laughs> is better in quality comes before, even though it's less pleasurable for you. That's what Shlomo Solomon told him. So, face. I don't know so which. I don't know, which, I don't know which fruits are healthier than others. Well, they used to say the apple. Is, I don't know what fruit is not so healthy. No, uh, are not healthy. Not so healthy. Okay. Okay. So let me. What would be the health? What do you say is the healthiest? Berries. Berries are the healthiest. Okay. So let's say. Okay, blueberries. So let's so and let's say guy loves green grapes. He loves them. Honestly, I like I like green grapes better than blueberries. Yeah. Okay. Me too. I know. They have more flavor, blueberries. Okay, you know, especially certain blueberries, like they're really. But anyway, according to Shlomo Zalman, but I was not aware. I was not aware that blueberries are so healthy. Okay. But anyway, so now he says you make a brook on the blueberries, because that is that's some better for you. Even though you know, generally you do what you like, but honestly. Well, we're assuming you know. We're assuming you know. Now that I know. Okay, now, because in the times of Chazal, I don't know if they were so focused on what's uh, healthier for you and this and that. I don't know. Well, no. We do. But now. Right now in in the Dafyomi, it's all about which foods do this for you. For sickness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all Yes, 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 yes. Anyway, so, and, so Reb Nevinsal thought, maybe Reb Shlomo Zalman Arbach's source is from this story with B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain in source seven and source number eight. And let's see. Source number seven, remember, the uh, the tribes of Ruvain and God, they come to Moshe. Source seven, I just took bits of a number of Sukkim there. Vayikshu they came to Moshe, vayomru gidros so nivnelemikneinu po, let us build this is when they're making the counter offer to Moshe. Yes. They're saying, we'll go first. Yeah. He says, so let's build sheep uh, pens, whatever, for our, for our animals. For Arim Litapenu. And cities for our children. To which Moshe subtly responds back to them. He says, build cities for your children and the sheep folds for the sheep. Okay. And then they catch what Moshe was saying. So then they respond back. And they say, okay. Tapenu nasheno Tapenu nasheno So then they, they, our children, our wives, and our flocks. See, they put the children and wives first. And then the flocks. So they got the message. Okay. What does Rashi say on that? Rashi on Source who picked up that change, so to speak. So he says, Rashi says that they were much more concerned about their money more than their children, sons and daughters, because they mentioned the sheep first. And Moshe said, no, that's not the way. And I bolded now. Asuha ikar ikar. Make the main thing main. Vatafel tafel. And the supplementary supplementary. So what's the main thing? The main thing is your kids. Right. So make cities for your kids and then make stuff for the cattle. Make the important thing first and what's subordinate is subordinate. Okay, very nice. So let's think about this. So now what do you see from this? 
is, in spite of the fact at the time where they're speaking, what was more precious to them? The livestock. The livestock. Right? In other, in other words, the sheep were chaviv alehem, but who was really the ikker? The children. Right? But at that moment, what were they worried about? Parnasa. In other words, you know, you could have parents who may love their kids, but they don't think about them so much. They think about the Parnassah much more than they think about the kids. So on the one hand, and this is where he, he suggests where Nevin Saul gets his idea from. In other words, he's saying, even though when you're mamish in the heat of business, oh, this is Gishmak, I'm making money, this is great, it's so precious to me. But at the end of the day, what's the Ikar? Even though they may not be so chaviv. <laughs> they may not be so precious, but they are the Ikar. Okay? So that's where probably Reb Shlomo Zalman got this idea that was precious to that. It's there for it. Even though I love grapes, but what's the most important thing is my health. So I should really like the blueberries. And I should make a brach on the blueberries. We've already confirmed that blueberries are healthier than grapes. You're probably wondering where that came up from. Okay? So, so that's where he probably got that law from. So now, so now, so what is, so Rav Dessler explains that you have to understand, when they were speaking about the sheep, you have to remember, we discussed this, I don't know if it was in a partial class a few weeks ago or whatever, but we talked about it. It wasn't stam, they had taiva for money and that kind of things. Uh, they, they really were trying very, that spiritual goals, so to speak. They knew they had a lot of sheep, and Hashem gave them a lot of sheep, and they didn't, and, they, and we know because they loved the mun, and they didn't want to, to indulge oh, in eating the animals. That's why they had more sheep. They're very spiritual people. They wanted to be buried next to where, to live where Moshe would be buried, because that's why they wanted to be there. They'd be close to Moshe Rabbeinu. They felt that, um, this would be their way of advancing the three uh, three city, three nations outside of Eretz Yisrael to bring Mashiach closer. They felt that that is their avodas, Hashem. Remember we explained in great detail that you have to have a group that's away from the hustle and bustle, yeah. and they're not with the sheep, and it's more of a spiritual thing. They had all these spiritual calculations for doing they're also Mishmar Gvul is a good answer as well. Still and all, after all is said and done, Rashi said, you have to make the Ikar Ikar and the Tafel Tafel. As it says in Mishle, source number nine, Nachala Mivoheles, an estate acquired in haste, but we showed at the beginning, at the end will not be blessed. And Rashi explains that, I'm sorry, that's in Mishle, I'm sorry, I don't have the Hebrew English for that. But Rashi says, Nachalamu Vuhelas Brishana, an estate acquired in haste. Shiniva Lamahar Velito Trila to grab, like God and Ruvain did. That they were quick to grab their portion on the other side of the Jordan River. They spoke like very uh, hastily. They said, We got lots of sheep, etc., etc. Let's build for our sheep first and then the kids. And again, Rashi bolds, Asu Esa Ikar Tafel. They made what was the ikar, the kids, the tafel, the supplementary, because they put the sheep first. To which then Rashi explains the second half of the Pasuk, the end will not come out good. 
Why? Because they, even though the ten tribes were exiled before, over a hundred years before uh, the base of was destroyed, but Reuben and Gad were exiled eight years before them even. <coughs> so you see that they did not stay there. So what was really the mistake that they were making? So the mistake they were making was a mistake in priorities of spiritualities. In other words, there's a lot of things that are important in life. And a lot of times people um, say, listen, the Jewish people need this, the Jewish people need that. All kinds of things may be very important. But you have to always remember what is the primary and what is not the primary. And you have to realize, of course, they had very L'shem Shemaim feelings. They loved Eretz Yisrael per se to the extent that they wanted to expand it. Mm. And they felt this is their real avoda, and there's a million and one reasons to do it. But you have to know there are priorities. And you know what the most important priority is? Raising your children to be good servants of Hashem. That, as a parent, is the most important thing. Okay? And uh, therefore, it's very interesting that uh, even though they, they were catching what Moshe said, they understood Moshe caught them. And he said, uh, you know, you're making the ikr the tuffle, the tuffle the ikr. But at the end of the day, if you look really deeper, they didn't really, in the depths of their heart, really make that change so much. Because if they really would make that change so much, then what should they have done? He said, you know what? Better we shouldn't take the land over here. <laughs> if, if Moshe is telling you what the ichor is, he's saying, this is the ichor is your kids. So Moshe is telling them, so at least build for your kids first. But what Moshe was really trying to get them to do, and not, not everything you can, you can't force everything upon people. It's only so much you can explain and try to help them understand. But Moshe really, when he told them, you're making the ikr to fail, he's saying your main thing is your kids. So he said, okay, so make sure you build the cities for your kids before the cattle. But Moshe wanted them to think a little bit more if he said, you're making the ikr the tuffle and the tuffle the ikr. And you know, maybe living on the East Bank is good for the sheep. Maybe there's all kinds of spiritual things that are being accomplished. But do you understand the downside of what's happening here? And there's a number of sources that explain this idea. Sources 11, 12, 13. In Savior Yeshua, at the end of his life, he says, he says, if it is because the land you're holding is unclean, this is the story where uh, when the two, the two tribes, not tribes, they're finished. They did their seven years and seven more years. They led the battle. They did, they're finished. It's all, we got the land. Now they're going back. They're fine. Okay, we did our job and go back. They go back. It's a whole complicated story. I don't want to go into details, but they built a large Mizbeach when they crossed over. People mistakenly thought that they were going to make their own base on Mikdash. They never had that in mind. It was just a symbolic gesture, not even to serve there. But they built something that they remember. To which Pinchas lets them have it. He says, if it is because the land you are holding is unclean, if you think where you're at isn't so good, then come and cross over with us. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what you want to say 
about the the west the east bank, it is not as holy as the west bank. It's just not it's just not possible. So he's not even saying, don't you realize it's a less holy place? The Medrash in source twelve, Eretz Canaan is holier than Aver Hayarde, the on the east bank. Eretz Canaan is suitable for holiness. Aver Yarden is not. Or how about another law? Uh, Rabbi Yosegli says that one does not bring Bikurim from the Transjordan since it is not a land flowing with milk and honey. Wow. Okay? So, like, think about this. This is not uh, such a great deal over here. And all kinds of other things that you're missing. And Moshe is really trying to get them to understand this idea. And Rav Nevensal says a beautiful line. He says, sheep may be important, but what is more important is the owner of the sheep. <laughs> okay, so that clearly is indicating that uh, they didn't get the mistake. They, they, they still didn't get it. As, far, as much as Moshe rebuked them, you know, you, can, you lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And uh, when Moshe says, these are the, the ichor is your kids, and not that, you're reprioritizing the wrong way. So therefore, Moshe is saying, listen, we should think about this. Okay. Now, what happens even further, and Moshe is trying to get this idea across. Now he, he comes onto a real subtlety. That's, he's really brilliant over here. He doesn't need my haskam, I'm just telling you. So in source 15, you know, the Talmud says the following, that uh, if you ever make a condition a conditional offer, so to speak. <laughs> uh, you have it's, it has to be like the offer was with B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain. That's called T'nai Kaful, a double-sided uh, condition. What does it mean? Moshe said like this, if you go ahead with everybody and you lead everyone into battle, then, okay, you're entitled to keep the stuff on the other side. Yeah. Now, that alone should be enough, right? Doesn't that imply? And if you don't go ahead, you don't get it. But Moshe didn't leave it for implication. He said it. He spelled it out. So from here we learn that whenever you make some these types of conditions, you have to spell out both sides. And if you don't spell out both sides, we don't necessarily know that you mean what you're saying. Because sometimes you may just say one side, but you know, you're getting excited and this and that, but maybe you don't mean what you're going to say. So that's what they quoted in source 15. That's what Moshe looked. He said both sides of the deal. First side, if you go ahead, and then the second half, if you don't have, then you don't get it. And the Gemara condition learns from that. Any condition that's not doubled, source 16, which is not supposed to be both the result of fulfilling this and not, like the way Moshe did with Gun and Ruvain, is not considered a valid deal. And they go and quote everything that Moshe said. And the Rambam in Source 17 continues with that idea. But he makes one exception. That's if it's something for the future. But if it's something for right now, like right now, the next two minutes. Okay, if you give me $500, I'll sell to you now. You don't have to say, and if you don't give me the 5000 I won't sell to you now, because it's now. You know, if something's later, you know, even let's say when you want to buy a house, you know, in the second world they don't have it because you got legal things. They say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll buy your house in three months. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, in three months I'll give you a million dollars. If I give you the million dollars, you know, then I'll you, you'll sell me the house. 
yeah, but you know what? You're just excited. Maybe you don't mean it, right? Because two months from I might find another house that's nicer and cheaper. So you have to double what you're saying to make it clear that that's what you want. But if you're doing it right now, you don't have to double it because you know you want it right now. So look, look at look at the chap over here. Look at the chap over here. Look at source 18. Now, after Moshe says the double side, let's hear what they say. This is what they say in 18. We will go across. And with us, we shall keep our land now. They only said one side of the deal. Why? Because they said, it's going to be now we're going to have the land. Right now, we don't, we don't have, Moshe said we have to double it. No, we don't want to. Moshe was saying to them, listen guys, don't get so excited. You'll get the land. We'll make a double-sided agreement. So what was Moshe hoping? What was he trying to do with the double-sided agreement? He said, okay, if you're going to go ahead and all that, then you'll get the land. And if you don't, you won't get the land. And what did they say? Well, we will cross and we're going to get it now. Oy, baboy, baboy. So now, now you understand. That's that's a nachala muvahelet. What's your rush? What's your rush? Why can't you wait for us? Go have the battles. Now, why why did Moshe want it one way and then the other way? Because Moshe was hoping that they that they would change their mind. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he makes the double-sided deal. Okay, listen, guys. You want this? Fine. I'm not going to be against it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go. You're going to lead. If you lead, then you'll get it. And if you don't, you won't. Moshe's hope was they're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. They're going to see. No yeah, one saw it yet. I love it. Except ten spies that are dead. Okay? Nobody went into the land. So they, they heard from the spies. I guess it's a lot of rocky terrain and this and that. And they understood they had a lot of sheep. That's really going to be a problem. How are they going to? They don't want it. They don't want their sheep to eat in other people's lands. They had all for the most beautiful reasons. But uh, they're making the, the tafel ikar ikar tafel. Yes, okay, it's a very nice thing to to uh, not want to steal from people. Very nice. It's very nice. You want to develop the East Bank. Very nice. You want to defend people. Oh, very. There's nothing. No avera in any of those thoughts. But a priorities are priorities. Isn't the most important thing your own spiritual development? Isn't it better for you to be in, in the Holy Land itself? Is it better for your kids to be in the Holy Land itself? So Moshe says, I'll make you a double agreement. So, okay, if you really want it, you'll get it. But he figures if they're going to be in the land for seven years and see all the miracles that happen and see how beautiful Eretz Yisrael is, then they'll, on their own, will change their mind. And they'll say, you know, Yoshua. Now that we think about it, well, I think we could find a way to make it in there. It's just wrong. Right? The main problem was they have too much sheep. Yeah. Well, maybe Hashem, now that they saw all the miracles, so maybe Hashem can make a miracle that our sheep will be taken care of as well. And that's what Moshe was hoping for. Hmm. However, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Okay, so now... And so, so that already is a very um, important idea. Uh, from here, you're, we have to start learning in our own avodas Hashem to be careful in certain things. 
There is an aspect, let's say, called Hidur Mitzvah, beautifying a mitzvah. Okay, making a mitzvah nicer. And some Rishonim even hold it's from a biblical source. But you got to remember, is Hidur Mitzvah the Ikar or the Tafel? So let's give a simple example. Um, he mentions that some people will, for Hanukkah will buy a beautiful menorah. $5,000 silver menorah, gold, whatever. Beautiful. But they light it with candles. Mm. And not with oil. <laughs> Which is the main mitzvahs with oil and not with candles. Okay? <clears throat> so, uh, in other words, it's uh, the ikr is the lighting. Not the menorah. The ikr should be beautiful shaman's eyes. I know that menorah looks good in your break front. You can show everybody off. Oh, I got a beautiful menorah, this and that. That's a big heater mitzvah. But you're making the ikar tafel and the tafel ikar. And then he goes to give one of my favorite examples is uh, people like to build beautiful shuls, mm. but they don't care to have beautiful davening. <laughs> right? When a guest comes, let's look at our beautiful shul. Wow, it's with Jerusalem stone, this and that. That's not the Ikar. The Ikar is a beautiful davening. Oh, we have a beautiful show. We don't have to daven beautifully. Only meant to inspire people. Okay. So that, that's um, what you find in these ideas. You could have examples of a uh, person has a yard site. Now, in this shul, we don't have this problem at all. But in other shuls, there's, there's major problems. Guy's got a yard site. He wants the Yomad. He wants to lead the davening. And uh, the other guy wants to lead the davening. So they start getting into a fight. Hmm. Oh, and, and big machlokas come. Not Why? Why? Because I'm trying to honor my father. I want to daven. Right? Rabbi Saul Salanter, we know, was the opposite. It was his mother's yard site. And there was another person who had a yard site for his daughter. Right. Now, the halacha is, if you're an oval for your mother... You have priority if you're awful for a daughter. That is the halachic priority. We don't get into reasons why. So Salanter, and on top of that, he was a big Talmud Chachem, and the other Jew wasn't anything so great. So Rabbi Salanter saw how badly that guy wanted to be the chazan. He said, you know what? It'll be a bigger alias neshama for my mother to know that I gave in than for me to leave the army. For sure. Okay, so you've got to understand what are the priorities and what are not, and and that's and that's a, a critical thing that people have to understand, and this is this is the issue over here. So now, if you begin to realize that, I got to make sure I got the right book over here. I'm going back and forth to see the two books over here. So now, if we understand what's happening, that Moshe the whole time. Before he leaves, he has to settle all unfinished business. And the story with Reuven and God, he tried to teach them. He already taught them one time the lesson. You thought when you left that story, we thought they got the lesson. Yeah, they did the switch. And... They, well, they agreed to him. Yeah. But the subtle nuance said they still didn't get it because when Moshe made the double-sided deal, they only made a single-sided oh. deal. And Moshe is saying, okay, we're going to do it. Let's just wait. Because the question is, like, why are, why are they criticizing Reuben and God so much? Moshe agreed to what they did. And right. They sealed the deal. Everything seems fine. And yet Chazal still say they were very quick on what's going on over there. Yeah. 
So what's going on? So what, why are they so critical of them? Because Moshe really said, okay, I understand. Let's just slow it down. See, a lot of times people get excited about ideas. Slow it down. You know, if, you know for example, I'll just give a simple example. Many, 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 many years ago. Very nice person. So he had a, he had a, he had a son and he wants to make a bris. So he, uh, I, uh, he, he invited me to bris. So he had a Shiloh about uh, bringing in a Sefer Torah into their house. They want to dive in the house. I said, wait a minute. Why are you dabbling in the house? Mm-hmm. He says, what do you mean? <laughs> Why am I dabbling in the house? We're going to have the bris in the house. We're going to dabble in the house. I say, you're supposed to dabble in a shul. Mm-hmm. What's the idea of dabbling in a house? Mm-hmm. There's a halacha. You have to dabble in a shul. So, yeah, but you want to have the, I don't want to slap my wife. He meant, well, I don't want to slap my wife to bring the baby to the shul. She said, oh, so you're going to bring the shul to your house? Was he a South African? <laughs> he was not a South African. I'm going to ask, is because in South Africa, that's what they do, bris in the house. The bris, but not the davening. Shouldn't. Okay, all I'm saying is, the person meant well. He wants his wife to not have to sleep. He was mamish a sincere guy. He just didn't know the halach. That's why you have to have a rabbi, right? So what is mamish? We're going to sleep the way out. So we're going to dive in here. She says, okay. So we're going to. So we'll dive in here. Do we need to bring a sir? I say, whoa, 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 whoa. I say, what gives? What gives you the right to dive in your house? And he's looking at me like I'm from the moon. He's saying, what do you mean? We want to have the bris. I said, where does it say the bris has to be where you dive in? There is an idea. If you want to bring the baby into the shul, you bring him into the shul. You don't want to bring the baby into the shul, so you dive in the shul. Yeah, but it's going to be so inconvenient for everybody else. I didn't want to bother my friends, you see, because this was like in the winter. So you know what it's like. You drive to the shul, and then you got to drive to the bris. I said, wait a minute. Who has to drive? Let them daven whatever they daven. And if they don't daven in a shul, they won't daven in a shul. And then come to the bris. He said, well, I didn't want to bother everybody. See, this guy's mamish at Sonic. I mean, he was mamish. Well intentioned. He mamish, listen, look what he's doing. He's mamish being nice to his wife. He's being nice to his guests. That's chesed. Chesed's amazing. But you're making the ikr tuffle and the tuffle ikr. The ikr is you daven in a shul, Period. That's the ikar. The ikar is you dab. You cannot compare. The Gemara says you got, it's a halacha muforeshes. People don't know this. You have to daven in a shul. If the shul is available, I'm not talking if you're on a plane and you have nowhere to go. But if if you have a shul that's less than a mile away, you're gonna now have have everybody daven in your house. So then you can have the bris in your house. Since when do you daven in a house? So he was a good man, and he listened to. Not That's to me. He listened to the halacha. He listened to the halacha, and everybody was a bit inconvenienced. But that shows your love for the mitzvah. I said, you dominant. You can tell Perry daven wherever you want to daven. Say, I don't care where you daven. Eight o'clock's the bris, and we'll all be eight o'clock at the bris. That's all. So that's a perfect example, and the, the person would not realize he's not following halacha properly. Right, and everyone's saying, "Oh, that's such a hit! It's going to be so so nice to everybody. They'll have to make one trip and take their boots off once, and besides, whatever, and the shul no one takes their boots off anyway. But that's another story. But anyway, so now, so now, let us go back, and with this, everything gets unraveled or explained better. 
Let's go back through all the stories. Now if we understand what is the purpose of the whole beginning of this story is for the Bnei God and the Bnei Ruvain. The Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain, as we begin Parshas Sefer Dvarim, they still don't get it. They, they already allocated their land. Right? They're ready. They're ready. Gave it to their kids. They didn't have to make a double-sided deal. And Moshe's not happy with that decision. He is hoping, he is hoping that uh, maybe they'll change their mind. So this is what Rashi was saying in which source it was, source number six. Now we're going to go again. Remember, he's talking to everybody. And then towards the end of the Parshish Dvarim, it says, I commanded you. So we thought it just meant he's just temporarily shifting the focus to B'nai God and Ruvain. But Rashi, instead of saying, Diber Atah, says, was speaking to them the whole time. The whole, this turns the whole Sefer Dvarim on its head. He's saying, don't we think he was speaking to everybody because he's giving everybody the same message. Yes, it's the rabbi speaking to the whole shul, but it was to B'nai God and Ruvain Spidafka to get this point across. So now we can understand what's going on. Now, so you were getting on the right track, Paul, but you didn't have that extra focus yet that you have now. So now we go, let's go through all 10 stories. And this is bam, bam, bam. It's all for God and Ruvain. Get the, but it's being subtle about it. First thing Hashem commanded us to go to Eretz Yisrael. To go to Eretz Yisrael. The first thing we do, we don't have to talk about getting the Torah. Hashem says he wants all of the Jewish people to go to Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that's number one. Aren't you included in that? Okay. Number two, appointing the judges. It seems it's a rebuke to everybody. Right? They said, oh, that's a good idea. But wouldn't it have been better to get it from Moshe? So Moshe, what is he doing on the surface? He's criticizing the Jews. You know, you should have really wanted me to give you all of this. Why are you settling for second best? Ah, so, same, ah, same, same so now he's saying, so why are you guys setting for second best? So it wasn't about the judges. You want to be on the other side of the yard, eh? Isn't that second best? This was just another way Isn't to say that it. something that is better? Uh-huh. Now, then of course, the next thing he's going to mention is the sin of the spies. And that's clear because even Moshe Rabbeinu, when they first came to him, God and uh, Ruven to tell him about it, he let them have it. And he said, that you want to dishearten everybody from that? Right? That they didn't, that what was their whole thing? They didn't want the people to go into the land. That's another mention of that, so to speak. Yeah. And then again, and then he mentions circling around Edom, Moab, and, and Ammon. So it, it appears he's telling all the Jewish people that we can't conquer these lands because we're not allowed. Initially, we weren't allowed to conquer those lands because I haven't given you those lands. So therefore, you should think, why are you expanding the lands when initially we weren't meant to expand these lands at all? So is that the, is and that more the than that, look what kind of neighbors you're gonna, you should be having. Uh-huh. We did not conquer Edom. We did not conquer Amo. And look what kind of neighbors are you having over there? 
and then even if we did con- and then of course you talk about okay then we conquered Sichon and Oak that meant, and now you went and asked me for this stuff right so you, you kind of and, and that's his now his focus is to them to say about that little point and then he comes and says and listen you know what I'm on the other side of Jordan you know, I prayed 515 times that I should enter the West Bank of Eretz Yisrael. And you want it? <laughs> hint, hint, hint. Yeah. You know? And, Hashem, and, so. and even after Hashem said no, I kept going on and on and on until Hashem said, that's it, you're not going to get anything. And you got a ticket, a direct flight to Eretz Yisrael? I mean, you're seeing how much I'm dying to get into this land. And you don't want to go into this land. Right? And then he starts talking about Avodah Zorah. He's saying, I'm telling the Jews they got to worry about Avodah Zorah. (laughs) You guys? And that's at least they're going to have a Beis Hamikdash over there. They're going to have a Mishkan. It's the Holy Land and all this. And you're going to be with all these other guys, these Goyim, and this. Isn't that going to be a real challenge? He's waiting. Uh, Moshe, I think we changed our mind. Look at it. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Oz, Yavdil, Moshe. Then Moshe separates three cities on the east side of the Jordan River. Because now he tried everything he could do, and now he has to put the three over there. In other words, we asked why didn't he do it right away when they asked for it and they had the land. Moshe said, I still don't want them to have it yet. Why should I make three cities of refuge where I'm putting a stamp on the deal now? I'm, I'm hoping against hope that they will not want this. And we know you always wait. If you're giving Musar, the best time to do it is before you die. So, one so, so, so now he's waiting. He couldn't have been as... So he's the rabbi giving the speech. Listen, you know, and he has them in mind the whole time. And they're probably saying, yeah, Moshe, that's a good speech. They need to hear that speech. <laughs> and when Moshe hears that, then Oz, then he separates it. And at that point, once he has separated... Now we move on to Zos HaTorah Asher Samosha Lifnei Bnei Yisrael. Now it's no more for God and Ruvain. In the first source, these are the words he spoke to all the Jewish people. But Rashi said he spoke to all the Jewish people, but it wasn't really in front of them. It was to everybody to hide the fact that he was focusing on God and Ruvain. But now it's finished. They're not listening. And now he puts the three, uh, three cities of refuge. Game's over. So now he's going to say, Zos Torah. This is the Torah that he said, Lifnei B'nei Yisrael. Before the Jews. Now he's talking they directly lifnei, to them. Because they put their, their place, Lifnei Eretz Yisrael, also. Where Maybe. they lived. Maybe. It, it, it's it's the same. It's possible. Possible. Okay. Now, fascinating. Fascinating idea. Now, 
the uh, so and, if they didn't and, say and, and they the will point, still build three cities so, 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 they so he builds the three cities so now you have an interesting fact to still understand another idea so how many cities were on the east bank three okay. now we said they don't work until the west bank is conquered so let's look at the Talmud Malchus source 21 it says so now the obvious question is let's figure how many tribes are on the west bank west bank nine nine and a half how many are on the east bank two and a half how many cities of refuge three and three math doesn't seem to add up so Gomorrah Marcus says why were there three cities destined on the east bank of the Jordan where two and a half tribes resided and three where there's nine and a half I've already said the West Bank, the East Bank of Jordan, murderers are common. Yeah. In other words, Moshe, even guys, think for a minute. He's made, didn't you come up with the question yourself? You guys so obtuse? Moshe says, they know this. Moshe says, I'm making three. I'm doing these three. And he's telling them all, and we're going to make three later on. Didn't anybody say, excuse me? Why three? 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 Why in the East Bank. When they were away, the non-Jews were fighting with the Jews that were left. Now, who were they fighting against? The young Chayalei Hatzava, Hatzahal. The boys that they left seven, eight, nine, ten, fourteen years later, 18, 19, 20, 21, and they see there's a war. And God and Reuven and Manasseh, they're coming, they see there's a war. But they have a problem. They don't know which side to help. What do you mean? Can't you recognize your kid? No. Because the kids had hairstyles that were like the Goyim. The tattoos. Or whatever. Yeah. So, ready to get the so they didn't even know who's a help until they hear the boys saying, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. So they know how to help their children. So what do you see? And that's what it's telling us that you can, you can come up with all. And this is why this is really, you see now we... We say that Sefer Mishnah Torah, this Tvarim is a book of Tochacha. And some of the Tochacha is obvious, but the most important Tochacha was the least obvious. And that's how you learn you're supposed to give Tochacha. You have to give Tochacha. He's, the whole time he has them in mind, the whole, and now everything makes sense. Now when he's finished with this, guess what the next topic's going to be? He's going to talk about us getting the Torah in Sinai, He's going to talk, say again the Ten Commandments. He's going to then talk about the sin of the golden calf. He's going to talk about all of them because all those things apply to all the Jews now. Now he's going to give Lusser to everybody. Right, but he first tried with God and Ruven, and it just, they didn't catch. And this quite possibly is why this is the Parsha. It's so to speak, it's spilling over one Parsha before Tishabav, one Parsha after Tishabav. It's all one message, you see. Now you see how it just goes one into the other. It's not two separate parshios. It's, it's Moshe's desperate attempt to teach them Musr. And they, they're saying, 
What do you mean? We don't have any problems. They're hearing the whole speech. Yes. Like nothing. So kind of we have to realize that are we perhaps, or some people, are making the same mistake that God and Ruven were making now. We hear about the Kinos, and we hear about, you know, Sinas Chinam, and the Beis Hamikdash that's not rebuilt in our generation. It's like it was destroyed in your generation. And we're all saying, yeah, that's beautiful words. I hope all the other people, all the secular Jews should hear this message. You know, all the people who are not on our side should hear the message and then everything will be fine. Where it, you see, if you, don't, if you don't pick up on the message, it has disastrous results. As much as everything was good, Moshe knew. So at the end of the day, what happens? You lose your kids, you lose everything. And it was all, in their minds, L'shem Shemaim. And therefore, he quotes the uh, Kutzka Rebbe, who says a great mind. It says, it, it's not there, I didn't put it in there. In Pirkei Avos, yu l'shem shemayim. All your acts should be l'shem shemayim. This is one of the most famous Kutzka Rebbe words. Why does, it, why does it say, kol masecha yu l'shem shemayim? All your acts should say, masecha yu l'shem shemayim. Your acts should be for the sake of heaven. What's wrong with that? Masecha, your acts, yu should be l'shem shemayim. Kol, whenever you say kol in the Bible, you know, kol is always all, means to include something else. In other words, when you have a word that's extra, so in a lot of myths, it says kol, Gomorrah says kol means to include this and that. So about this in Pirkeiavos, kol, all your actions should be L'Shem Shemaim. What is kol including? He says, even if you're doing something L'Shem Shemaim, it has to be L'Shem Shemaim. All your actions. Not just the mundane, but even the ones that are 100% L'Shem Shemaim should still be L'Shem Shemaim. And that was the problem with, that was the problem with God and Ruben. They were, they mamish thought, wow, we're, it's we're Moser Nefesh. Everything we explained over the last few weeks, we're Mamish Moser Nefesh, we're the pioneers. You know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of um, seduction of being a pioneer. Wow, you're a pioneer. Wow. I, I, I'm jealous of you. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pioneer. You know, you have to be very careful. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not criticizing anybody. But you know, anyone who's a pioneer has to know there could be a trap mm-hmm. you have to be careful about. Because not everybody's a pioneer. Not everybody's a pioneer. And then you have to wonder, you know, sometimes they may, they may be L'Shem mind, but then what happens? And sometimes the pioneers, their children don't turn out to be so good. So you don't have time for them. It's not an easy uh, task. And therefore, as we're right now in between, we're going to be on Tisha B'Av on Thursday, and a lot of dirt gets brought up. A lot of musr comes out. And we all mean well. And I'm sure we mean as well as Reuven and God meant. And there's all kinds of hints in the musr. That's on and on, and there's always a chance, maybe, maybe and then to say, no, I, it, it was good you're talking for everybody else, Rabbi. It was a great speech. It's a great speech on Tisha B'Av. It really hit the mark. I hope everybody else got the message. <laughs> but uh, I'm fine, because I'm already a pioneer. I'm a really ashamed Shemaim. You see that this, the results can be disastrous. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore, that's why the name of the class, don't settle for second best in your priorities. 
That is the point. And that's the Yetzirah. See, the Yetzirah is not going to tell any of us in this room to go be Mechal Shabbos. The Yetzirah is not going to tell anybody in this room to speak Lashon Har. We're way beyond that. The Yetzirah has to be much more clever, you see. And he has to come up with all kinds of mitzvahs for us to do. But those mitzvahs end up taking away the priority of the other mitzvahs. And just like Moshe said, you know, you should have had me be the judge. Don't settle for second best. But these guys, they shouldn't have settled for second best. The best is to be an Eretz Yisrael. Ah, you're not going to get all that, you know, that, oh, you're a pioneer and this and that. So you're not a pioneer. You believe everybody else. How are we going to do with our sheep? Do you think Hashem can't take care of those things? He can do everything else and he can't take care of that. That was the great disappointment. And then when they tackle, finished the 14 years, they saw they were absolutely wrong, but then it was much too late. Okay, any questions, comments? Beautiful, isn't it beautiful what he said? Unbelievable. Very, very...